Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the privilege of having a discussion with E.C. on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, it's our goal to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Hello and how are you, E.C.? I'm good. How are you? Wondrous. We're returning to our Quick Bites format. Quick Bites is uh, our excuse, not an excuse, our way (laughs) of answering uh, listener questions um, for those questions that perhaps maybe don't warrant an entire episode. Um, We we try to tackle them in about five questions in about five minutes each, as I always like to do. uh, What is the best way for folks to get questions into a Quick Bites in the future? Hitting reply on any email I send out, or if you're not on my email list, optimizemenutrition.com slash email. Get on that list. Mm-hmm. I will say it's <laughs> it's always funny to me because obviously, unsurprisingly, you and I send a lot of emails back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I always click on your newsletter because it says it says it's from EC. So I thought, oh, EC sent me, and it's always right. a newsletter. I'm like, oh, cool, it's a newsletter. <laughs> but I don't know why I've never, I have yet to realize Filter. that like, there's a day a week that you send me a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I always think, EC sent me a note. <laughs> Absolutely, nobody cares about that. Okay, we're, um, we're going to do something slightly different with this Quick Bites and perhaps mm-hmm. maybe the next couple of Quick Bites where uh, instead of sort of a random collection of questions from listeners. We're going to kind of bash them into a a broad category. So we're going to talk about fitness this time around. And the next few quick bites, we might do the same if this goes well. Um, Okay. So we're going to talk about um, uh, fitness. We got five questions. The first one is from Vicky. This is for the aging athlete, specifically around volume. As a former Ironman triathlete, recreational, not competitive, my training volume could be quite high. Shifting to lower volume but higher intensity with more strength training has been a bit challenging. Not being out training for two plus hours feels different. How do you know when it's enough and how, uh, and how much rest? The injury potential with masters athletes seems higher, particularly after longer periods of inactivity. Hmm. Yeah. So I think there's probably a couple of reasons that it feels different to Vicky. I, I think the first one is I'm guessing that she just doesn't have the same kind of clear goal. You know, mm. in a triathlon, you have a clear goal of what I'm training for and how fast I want to be. And a and date so in which you're doing it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I think the main problem now is you just don't have that and potentially even just, you know, what am I training for even? And just reading between the lines, I really don't know, but I, I'm guessing um, that she's trying to stay focused just on being overall fit and having this high quality of life that a lot of people sort of start to focus on after their competitive days. Um, and I just think the conversation that I had with Pat Sherwood is probably a great reminder for people to check that out. It was sort of, you know, how much fitness is really needed. And, you know, the short answer is it's probably less volume than a lot of people think, I think, especially coming maybe from a triathlete background. And the split that I've also kind of put out there is just a very general guideline, though not perfect, is maybe one to two days a week of strength training, one to two days a week of maybe a shorter high intensity session, like 10 to 20 minutes. And then one to two days a week of maybe a longer cardio session, maybe that's 30 to 40 minutes. And so all of those sessions can be done under an hour. And that wouldn't include maybe your steps per day, or I don't know, the hike with the family, stuff like that. But some combination of those sessions can add up to, let's say five days a week, you'll take two two rest days a week. And I think that is plenty. I think they can be very much enough for these general health quality of life um, goals that we have. And, you know, again, just reminding me of that podcast, you really just don't need that much capacity for a high quality of life. Now, 
you know, I don't want to shoot super low. Uh, you know, the, per- the point isn't just to be bare minimal here, but, you know, just challenging yourself in these shorter workouts, I think is going to be fine enough. And mm-hmm. so setting some goals around those, maybe it's, I want to work on my 2k row, or maybe it's, I want to work on my strict pull-ups, or maybe it's, I want to work on my bench press, I think can be a great way to start feeling like you have the same type of goal that you had before. Mm-hmm. Um, the second reason that I think Vicky might feel different is that if you have excess capacity in one area, for example, long endurance cardio, you generally kind of have muted capacity elsewhere, or basically that capacity is the same everywhere is another way to say it. So I can't say this is for certain because I don't totally know all of the exercise she was doing, but I would guess that um, her short duration kind of high intensity cardio is likely done at a pace that isn't too much different than kind of the triathlon training Mm -hmm. pace. And then even kind of the next step from that, when she goes to do strength workouts, it doesn't feel like that much of a workout because there hasn't been as much development on strength training. Maybe not. This is just kind of the classic pattern that we see. And so some of this is it does just take time to develop the capacity in those other areas to be able to push yourself at the strength workout, to be able to push yourself at the 10 minute workout. Um, you know, it's kind of like the classic example when somebody starts lifting, they don't feel like they got a workout. It just takes some time to, to, you know, develop capacity there and then be able to push yourself there. So that's kind of the other reason, I think. I did want to pick up on just one other point that she made that I thought was interesting. Um, She kind of had the comment that masters athletes tend to be more susceptible to injury, specifically after long periods of inactivity. And that actually kind of made me pause because I don't think that masters athletes need long periods of rest, right? Assuming Mm. the volume and intensity are appropriate. I, I think two days a week of rest are fine. Like I wouldn't put necessarily more days between that. Um, you know, I do think, yes, injury potential is higher. I agree with that. Why? Um, we tend to have already accumulated some injuries along the way. (laughs) We often have some wear and tear, maybe arthritis going on. And then even just positioning, which I think we talked about, uh, well with Kelly and, and Juliet, uh, Starrett, but it's just kind of that loss of range of motion, maybe too much kind of sitting in the desk. And then you just kind of carry over that positioning to the workouts. And that's where we really have that injury risk. So good warm up, practice the positioning, make sure that you're making good decisions about load. And I think that's going to be enough to kind of protect the master's athlete. Um, not necessarily, you know, worrying about kind of having necessarily longer periods of rest between workouts. All right. Next question is from Kate. Uh, Kate asks, I've been, uh, I've taken a recent interest in learning more about zone two cardio because of a medical condition my daughter has. The doctor recommended that she do zone two cardio, uh, heart rate about 60 to 70% uh, of her max for about 45 to 60 minutes, three or four times a week. In her case, it is for a specific medical issue, but the doctor also mentioned that it is a type of exercise associated with longevity. I'm more of a sporadic CrossFitter myself, so taking this up would be a real change and serious additional time commitment for me. So I'm just curious what you know about it or if you would recommend it in general if you have any tips on getting into Zone 2 and staying there more easily. Yeah. Yeah, Kate already said this, but again, just for the audience, you know, you have a heart condition, you're going to follow the exercise direction of your doctor. What I'm talking about here is just from the perspective of otherwise healthy wellness, um, zone two cardio type of goals. Mm -hmm. So first, what is zone two cardio, right? Basically there are five zones of 
exercise defined by the percentage of that max heart rate, as she alluded to. And you can think about zone two as this sort of moderate intensity. And so to answer the question of getting into that zone two, it would basically be to find the pace that you can sustain for about 45 minutes, but not for 75 minutes, because that would mm -hmm. indicate that it was too slow of a pace. And that you know, I know people tend to like a little bit more specifics than that, but some of that's just going to come with practice. Like you actually just have to kind of go out and do it and be like, okay, I started out way too hot. <laughs> and other yeah. times you're like, okay, that was way too slow. Um, but yeah, and it is based on heart rate. And so people can use that as a rough guideline, but like most guidelines, we can't take them as absolutes. You know, I think I talk about that in terms of calories. I even just did a post recently kind of on water about that. Like sometimes we take these guidelines, like at 60% heart rate, that's going to be it. And it's like, no, no, that's a general guideline. And so same thing there, you kind of have to go out and test it to figure out what it is. Um, now, would I recommend it was kind of the next point there. Sure. But I don't think everyone needs to be in zone two uh, all the time. Um, d nor do I think that zone two is necessarily always superior to other zone training, mm -hmm. because I would say that any exercise, not just zone two is associated with longevity. Mm -hmm. And we actually talked that talked about that a bit ago in our performance versus longevity podcast. We were looking at, at um, elite athletes from a whole bunch of different activities. It wasn't just kind of long, you know, moderate intensity activities and found that basically they were all associated with longevity because exercise is just so beneficial. So again, while I think the daughter's recommend uh, the doctor's recommendations for the daughter are completely appropriate, I think oftentimes when we hear something like that, we can get caught up and worried about the perfect exercise program mm -hmm. before doing just enough exercise, right? Mm -hmm. And and Kate even mentioned it herself, right? She said she's kind of a sporadic crossfitter and this would be a real big time commitment and change for her. And so it's the last thing I would want is for people to think, okay, well, I'm only getting exercise if it's 45 to 60 minutes, three to four times a week, right? And it's like, no, 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 please don't believe that. You know, all exercise is better than none. I don't care what it is. That's always the first recommendation is like, let's do some exercise. Let's be consistent with it. And then the next step would be to move towards kind of what I would say are the, just the CDC guidelines. And for the aerobic portion, which is more of that zone two idea, the guidelines are about 150 minutes a week mm -hmm. or 75 minutes if it's truly vigorous, which would be a higher than a zone two. Um, and then they also have recommendations to have two times a week of strength training. So again, I would just sort of start with, let me get consistent in something that I like. Let me do it, let's say five times a week. Maybe it's 10, 20 minutes. Maybe it's the CrossFit. Maybe it's CrossFit plus whatever. And then once that's truly consistent, start to work towards the CDC guidelines and see if I have enough volume, like I just mentioned, um, before trying to make any sort of more optimal program than that. It's the consistency and it's the effort within that consistency is that what makes a program really effective, not necessarily this like perfect combination of zone two movements, et cetera. Got it. All right. Rolling along, question three from Blair. I was curious about seasonal training, such as cardio in nicer weather, spring, summer, fall, and strength training in the winter. I understand consistent, uh, consistency and any movement is better than binge watching Netflix, but would seasonal training be a decent in the, in the big picture of living a healthy lifestyle? Blair's like, you see, I know what you're going to say already. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take off the easy answers. Answer my question now. <laughs> Actually, I cut, I, uh, somebody else said that in here too. And I cut it out. <laughs> I can hear you now saying, okay. Um, yeah. And I think this is an interesting question because I think there's yeah. kind of a combination of yes and no here. Um, what I think some seasonal elements are really good for is just like motivation and interest. 
you know, just providing that cross training and variety, mountain biking, uh, trail running, skiing, you know, whatever the outdoor element can be, can be really just fun and just adds, it can still be challenging in terms of your fitness. Um, and so when you have this kind of seasonal flow to it, I think just working out in general becomes less stale and that's great because guess what, then we'll be more consistent with it. Um, and so I think, you know, all of that stuff will transfer well for this overall goal of living a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, what we see with even high level athletes is it's good for them to do cross training, maybe not, not even because they need it as much. Certainly, I think there are some carryovers to it. But what we see from uh, higher level athletes doing some cross training is, again, just that mental break from doing the same thing all the time. That's exactly what this can do. Now, from the other kind of perspective, kind of a general athletic development perspective, I would say that there's less necessity for it, um, you know, besides the benefits that we just mentioned of being interesting and, and consistency. But I think there's some potential downsides of, let's say, only doing weightlifting in the winter and then only doing, let's say, to be extreme running in the summer. You know, there are some things that we could think about, like maybe temperature really affects performance in certain ways, but not for any of us that are just doing this for quality of life to really worry about. I think more so just you lose when you don't use something, you lose it. Right. And so you're going to have some unnecessary loss, in my opinion, in certain capacities when you kind of go cold turkey one for the other. And to take six months off of weightlifting, I just sort of think is unreasonable. I don't know if that's what Blair meant in terms of an absolute, but we just sort of encourage people to just maybe shift your bias a little bit more. So mm. maybe if it's something where you're really stoked on doing the mountain biking and I don't know, the trail running because it's beautiful out, then maybe you only do one, maybe two strength kind of ish focus sessions a week as you go through that season. And then when you get to the winter and you want to be in the gym a little bit more and do a little bit more lifting, okay, let's maybe do one, maybe two more cardio sessions during that season. And I think you're just going to keep an overall higher base. That's going to allow you to switch between kind of the different seasons um, easier and not see as much loss of loss of capacity. Yeah. I think to that last point, I think what you all, what he will or she will, anybody does this will also see is like when you, when you keep that sort of consistency across your mountain biking will stay Mm -hmm. good. And you're like, you'll never, you'll never have to basically like be in a deficit at the beginning of that season. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now I got to ramp, like, I got to put a heavy barbell on my back for the totally. first time in six months. And then the first month of that is just like getting used to that again and getting back up to speed with that. And then all of a sudden the season's back over. So kind of that balanced approach, I think would, would ultimately benefit both sides of it mm-hmm. really, really nicely. You'll never have a, you'll never have to kind of ramp up into the season. Cause you'll always be kind of at that constant ready state. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it can be really difficult to get motivated once, I don't know, you know, you go in and you have like totally. 10 less pull-ups, yeah. you know? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next question is from Steve. Uh, from a master's perspective, assuming one isn't interested in competing and enjoy uh, and enjoys fitness, is constantly varied uh, is constantly varied or a more linear progressive approach better from a risk injury perspective? And are there pros and cons that make one perspective better than the other? And he goes on to say, having done CrossFit for a while, it was fun because of the group dynamic in terms of relationships, inducing some intensity through the whiteboard and friendly competition, along with a variety, uh, along with a variety to beat boredom. The downside was that as a late 40s and then 50s person, I was sore all of the time, doing a bunch of different things all the time just didn't seem to be the best idea for an aging person for injury risks. Because if you are not used to the movement, perhaps your fitness exceeds your joints, tendons, ligaments. To 
to actually do uh, that with intensity. Doing a more linear progressive strength program with rowing, cycling, walking for conditioning, I'm hardly ever sore. The downside could be the repetitive use injuries or boredom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some similar themes with these yeah. questions, right? Um, and again, reminds me of the conversation with Patrick Wood that I think people should listen to if they haven't. Um, and I do, again, want to just remind people that I think sometimes we need less volume than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and just picking something that you are consistent with and challenging yourself within that consistency is just going to push you light years ahead of what you need from a quality of life perspective. Um, and, you know, I just challenge people to think about currently right now, how much fitness do you really need in your daily life? You know, it's, it's typically not a lot now, maybe first responders are a little bit different or military is a little bit different, but a lot of us have a very low need for a high level capacity. Of course, we want to buffer that. As I said, we don't want to shoot for the lowest possible, um, but it's not, not a ton. And so in this question of, well, is the CrossFit approach better? Is the linear progressive approach better? I mean, both approaches can be beneficial and work depending on the goals of the individual. And I would also like to highlight that both do have injury potential, um, Mm. You know, I did kind of cut down some of the comments that Steve also provided for context. He he mentioned that with the injury risk for CrossFit, that CrossFit seems to be quite defensive of it. Um, you know, and I, I'm not here to speak for CrossFit, but I do think people turn a little bit of a blind eye to the injuries in other sports that occur. Um, I, I remember early in my CrossFit days, I went to a weightlifting meet, and this was before weightlifting really t- took off with CrossFit's growth. Yep. And there were so many injuries. I mean, and they yeah. weren't CrossFitters. I mean, and I encourage people to go check out a runner's club. I mean, they're going to have injuries. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that injuries in CrossFit don't happen, but whether or not they're that much more frequent than other endeavors, I'm just not totally convinced of that. And, and I think some of that's because we often just get very excited about a process. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's the running or the weightlifting, but we rush the process. I mean, I see this in nutrition all the time, right? So how much of it is CrossFit and how much of it is kind of the classic example of just, I am stoked on CrossFit (laughs) and overdoing it, right? Um, It seems to happen in a lot of different endeavors. But anyway, I, I think this is another example where we don't have to kind of choose an either or, Um, kind of like the last question, I think, why not do kind of maybe a strength piece once or twice a week from the linear progression program, and then maybe do once or twice a week kind of conditioning pieces that are maybe a little bit more CrossFit, and maybe then once or twice a week of the longer conditioning pieces that he mentioned. Some of that is just to keep things interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of that is because you know, high intensity when done with good form can be a good thing from all of the benefits that it provides. And so I think this is where people can get just a little bit too afraid to blur the lines. You know, it's like, okay, this is the program. So I must follow this program. And while I don't like people to try to do everything under the kitchen sink, that we can have a little bit more flexibility in our programming than we think that it's okay to kind of do, like I said, once or twice a week of CrossFit, once or twice a week of this, once or twice a week of that, especially when we're trying to look at something like quality of life, like some nice variety in there is going to keep you interested, motivated, and we'll have plenty of results for what you need for day-to-day life. Um, and I think the last thing I want to pick up on is just kind of the mentioning of soreness and that he never gets sore versus, um, Always being overly sore. sore. Never sore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, it's like, let's pick up kind of that middle ground there. I'm certainly not advocating that people be excruciatingly sore and, and, you know, not be able to walk for days, but on the other hand, it, it's okay to be a little bit sore at times. And I think it's just now finding again, a better balance of volume, um, of what's appropriate for you, volume and intensity and what's appropriate for you 
you mean, maybe you look at a workout and you scale it because you're just like, I just 150 pull-ups is not what I need to do right now. But that doesn't mean that any volume of pull-ups isn't good, right? Right, right. Um, two things. One, th- what you just described as a as kind of a, a layout of a program, right? One or two, mm-hmm. uh, effectively, like one or two strength, one or two conditioning, one or two, let's call it CrossFit, mm-hmm. is almost exactly what I do now. And yeah. like, it's it's for me now where I am, what I'm aiming for, like, it's fantastic. Totally. And the second thing I just want to kind of pull on is you said something that I just loved, which was like, challenge yourself within the consistency, mm. right? And it harkens back a little bit of what Pat said is like, mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is not doing more. Sometimes the answer is actually the, 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 the it's to do less. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that as a, you know, whether it's nutrition or fitness is a lot of times when we were like, okay, we want to do like, we want more, we're like, this is working. Let's go more. Totally. It's always like, it's, it's always trying to like add to it mm-hmm. versus what you said, which is no, actually just sink even deeper into the consistency for longer. 100%. And that's, but that, and that's harder. <laughs> that's it's harder than that, than adding another day of weightlifting or another long run, or I'm going to now not also, you know, in addition to this, I'm also not going to eat bread. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas we all, like the whole thing here that we talk about is like the hard, the hardest game to play is the one is the long game. Totally. Right. And so I love that. Just, I just wanted to pull on that because yeah. it's, we talk about it all the time, but it's just always worth reiterating that the real value is not in the perfect thing today, but it's in the maybe perhaps slightly imperfect thing. All, always forever, <laughs> forever. Exactly. Forever. forever. Um, so I just, I just love that. So yeah, good all right, stuff. last question. From Heather, uh, I used to do CrossFit and loved it mainly for the community, and I was uh, shocked at how strong I got. However, I started struggling with injuries, despite my coaches telling me how great my form was, reducing bar weight, and trying to take it easier. It's taken years to find a workout regimen since that that works well for me, and I'm shocked at how low-intensity swimming, walking, and isometric exercises have helped me get back to that CrossFit muscular strength. Granted, my short burst cardio, cardio strength is not as strong, but I don't really need uh, needed to be. I'm curious what your take is on building muscular strength from isometric resistance versus weight resistance. And if there's any research you find valuable in this area. Cool question. Yeah. So yeah, so isometric exercises, those are the ones we aren't moving. I think a great example is just like a plank, right? Or maybe holding the top of a chin up or even just a rack pull where you're kind of, you know, mid deadlift, if you will. Um, And so isometrics are often used in cases of injury and you can build strength there, but it reduces that risk while you're in that injury phase, of course, because you aren't moving. And there certainly is some utility um, to it, but it does remind me again of kind of asking the question of how much fitness do you really need? You know, I imagine that she can be quite capable and fit in life doing her current program of isometric exercises and the cardio that she described. You know, most people in the U.S. can't hold themselves above a pull-up bar, right, as a perfect example. And so that will develop and maintain a capacity beyond what is required in modern life. But then on the flip side, um, isometric exercises do not develop the strength needed for dynamic movements or that full range of motion exercise that we often see in life. Because guess what? You aren't doing them dynamically or through that full range of motion. We kind of have to practice exactly what we want to do to get exactly good at that thing. Um, and, And how much an isometric exercise transfers to a dynamic performance, we don't have a ton of data on it. I'm sure... There is some transference, just like being able to hold yourself at the top of a pull-up certainly can help pull-ups, but you are going to have to actually do pull-ups to get better at pull-ups. You can't just Mm -hmm. hold yourself at the top. Um, And so again, I would, I would kind of push back similar to some of, I think these other questions and say, I don't know that it needs to be either or, 
you know, uh, again, if she doesn't want to do CrossFit, that's fine. She can keep doing her regime if that's getting the results that you want. But I'm also guessing that there could be a degree of CrossFit program that she can do without injury. Right. Um, you know, again, I think there's this addictive nature to CrossFit in the beginning that many of us fall into. (laughs) And I think sometimes, you know, Pat's a great example of it. Most people describe Pat as sort of a classic CrossFit programmer. And it's sort of like, well, maybe that's just what CrossFit was supposed to be, but we all (laughs) got a little crazy with it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I concur. Um, you know, not I concur. every day needs to have a barbell and Pat's been quite vocal about that. And you see that in his program. Actually, he just programmed a 10 K and I, I typed back, is this a typo, you know, <laughs> run 10 K because that's not what people are always expecting. Right. With something like that. So anyway, I think there's sometimes when, you know, the interpretation of what CrossFit might look like get, has gotten a little bit skewed as well. And I wouldn't be surprised again, if she can find some middle ground there. Um, and If you do have a specific injury concern, certainly, you know, you can keep up some of that isometric stuff. I don't think that's that's a bad idea at all. But to try to just, first of all, think about what the capacity do I need in life that I want? Do I already have that? Do I already have some sort of buffer against that? You might be fine where you are. And then also be open to the idea that there's probably a balance point before um, or some balance point of what I was doing before and now that's Mm -hmm. kind of in between that also might have just as good, if not slightly better results. And you had mentioned, you know, the, the, there's, you said performance, basically, like you want to do the thing that, Mm. and so as one of the things you're saying is it just as it relates to this isometric versus a barbell, right? And strength training, the performance in this case for her might be just be like being alive, right? And, and life is going to demand not only just like strength, but dynamic strength. You're going to need yeah. the, you're going to pick the kid up. The kid's going to wiggle and you're, mm-hmm. it, you know, that, that, so I just wanted to point that out. I was like, that's what you mean by performance. Cause when we hear performance, we often think mm-hmm. the gym or a sport or a, or a race of some kind, yeah. but really performance is also like life. your day to day. Are you able yeah. to, yeah, exactly. Life. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that's part of it is people have to figure out what their performance is and it yeah, might just exactly. be the day to day life. Um, and but it's interesting because yeah. I, I think when we get, when we move into a, a phase of life where quote unquote performance mm. goes away, where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't care if I win the workout today in class, mm-hmm. we actually, we kind of stop thinking mm. that performance is matters at all. Mm-hmm. But, act, but to your point is it actually just shifts into some, it looks different, mm-hmm. but there's still, it's still the right word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we think it's for our, our older self or for our younger self rather, or for other people. Totally. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Anything else on these quick bites? No, we nailed Other it. Other than that, uh, unsurprisingly, the they're thematically very similar once you actually get down to the <laughs> down to your answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to kind of blur the lines of some ideas. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Okay, my friend. Well, as a reminder, uh, respond to any of the emails you send out from mm-hmm. the newsletter mm-hmm. or optimizemenutrition.com slash email to get on that list Got so it. that you can get the emails so that you can respond to them with your questions. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. EC and I'll be back next week for another episode of the Consistency Project. Thanks as always for tuning into the show. I'm sure at this point you've heard me talk about the 800 gram challenge and lazy macros, but if you're not really sure what they are or you want to get started on them with a little bit more guidance, I wanted to let you know that I have eBooks on both of these programs. And these eBooks are not just some nine or 10 page document that you flip through in a couple minutes. Instead, they are a comprehensive resource, not only for the why behind these methodologies, but also the how. 
So you're going to get answers to questions like, does the glycemic index matter? Or why is protein good for health? as well as tips and strategies, like how do you make the day successful? And what do you do when you go out to a restaurant? What are some meal ideas? These eBooks have it all. So head on over to optimizemenutrition.com slash 800G for the 800 gram challenge or slash lazy macros for the lazy macros eBooks. The links are also in the show notes and you'll get a bundled discount for both. Again, it's optimizemenutrition.com slash 800G or slash lazy macros to get started. One final note, both the 800 gram challenge and lazy macros are registered trademarks. So if you're looking to run a challenge at your gym or with a specific group or a corporate wellness program, contact me through my website or at info at optimize for your options.